Welcome to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green, where you'll discover actionable strategies to help your student to reach their academic goals, to excel at standardized testing, and to plan for the college admissions process painlessly. And now, here's your host, Dr. Stephen Green. All right, everybody. Steve Green here the Make the Grade podcast. And today is guest day. We have an excellent guest. Not only do we have a great guest, we have an international guest. Can you believe it? From the African continent. Yes. She has a pet elephant, I hear. We can talk about that. <laughs> I don't want to sound uh, ethnocentric here, but yes. Um, Akua. Akua, welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Um, and hopefully, you know, you'll be able to hear my, my elephant in the background at some That's point right. in time. Yeah. Yes. Well, uh, there we go. There we go. African <laughs> elephant, right? Not an Indian elephant. Specifically an African elephant. Yes. That's you right. can't tame those. You cannot. Let, let, me, let me introduce you to the audience a little bit. So make the great podcast. Let me remind everybody, this is about actions. This is about giving parents with students, students and entrepreneurs actions. They can take ASAP immediately toot sweet to help with their academics, to help with their business, to help with their lives. Always remember, parents, you are the CEO of your family. Entrepreneurs, your business is your child. Mm. Akua, which can be pronounced multiple ways, but we're going to call yes. it Akua. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, I'm sure I want to try your last name. Naomi <laughs> Mensa. Hopefully That's I got that bad. right. There we That's go. Not okay. Bad, yeah. she, now, here's we'll more importantly she is an executive and leadership coach, International Coaching Federation, a facilitator, and a speaker. Former startup executive, she's launched an online platform for the first African-based technology uniform called Jumia Group, and that's pretty rare. Uniforms are very rare, unicorns. Uh, Kua has had the opportunity to live and work in U.S., Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, and South Africa, and has consulted in and visited over 30 countries. Wow, that is impressive right there. And, and, and you, you see her, you think she's 15 years old. Um, <laughs> Uh, Thank in you her so work, she loves combining traditional coaching approaches with leadership, psychology, neuroscience, emotional intelligence, research, and what some might consider woo. Yeah. You know what she means by that? Yeah. You get sometimes it's just that, that fifth dimension kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, she loves supporting leaders who are juggling multiple responsibilities and teaches them how to clarify where they should focus their time and energy every day. So an impressive background for someone uh, who's clearly been around the block, kind of literally. <laughs> um, what was your favorite country? I mean, you've lived in a lot, you've been in a lot. Any, any that really stand out? I know that's... Uh, maybe I would say each one has like its own distinct memories, I think at the hmm. end of the day. So I grew up primarily in um, Abidjan. So that is a, a city that's based in uh, Cote d'Ivoire. So that's also oh. in West Africa or known as Ivory Coast um, in some mm -hmm. English speaking countries. And, you know, what I remember from there was, you know, just, just, I don't know, there's just certain things about it that I'm just like, oh my gosh, I miss the food. <laughs> hmm. Really love the food there. So there's certain things about the it's food. Sort of, is there a specialty, an Ivory Coast specialty? I mean, I don't think this is necessarily a specialty, but as, as someone who is West African, but from more mm -hmm. Anglophone West Africa, growing right. up in Francophone West Africa, I always would wow. compare the two. And so the food is a bit different. Um, and so growing up, you know, I had what they called like a poulet braisé. So that's like, uh, more like barbecued or like grilled chicken. <laughs> um, it's not that fancy. It's just okay. French-ish. Um, and so yeah, oui, I, really, oui, oui. I remember and that's what I miss. So 
So I love myself some Ivorian food. Well, so yeah. so before we get too nostalgic, let's actually get down to business here because <laughs> that's what the listeners want. But you you really have a fascinating story. I, I know a little bit about you. She's going to the school in the States, has degrees for some pretty prestigious uh, universities, some sheepskin from University of Pennsylvania, Swarthmore, right? Um, uh, Bryn Mawr. Bryn Mawr College. I mean, if you yeah. live around Philadelphia, these, these, are, these are pretty hoity-toity kind of places. <laughs> and uh, she's bringing all this information, all this knowledge, and her life experience together, and she's going to share it with us today. So let's jump right in. Got it? So let's talk about, uh, about the idea of, of where somebody's at, their mindset, their attitude, their productivity. When you're coaching someone or counseling someone or working with someone, where, where, where does this start? Where does it start? What's the goal? Because I'm we're very goal oriented here at Make the Great. So t- tell us a little bit how you do this. Yeah. So typically I get individuals who are coming to me with the words or they're typically saying things like I'm overwhelmed. I'm not getting the things I want done. A lot of times I'm also getting entrepreneurs or leaders who tend to have many different lives in their minds, right? So they might be parents. Um, they might've started this business. They might have this other thing they're doing on the side and they want a personal life or they want to make sure they can take a vacation or they want to make sure that they're able to get all the things they want to get done in their business if they're working for themselves. So it typically starts off with I'm overwhelmed, um, but I don't know really where to start, right? I'm overwhelmed, but you know, is it, you know, do I need to cut back on my personal life? Do I need to get better in my professional life? And a, a lot of times, the first initial things that they will say is it's my team. My team is the problem. I can't get my team to do X, Y, and Z to support me so I can take a vacation. Or I don't Mm. trust my team to get X, Y, and Z done so that I can go home, right? And hang out with my kids. Um, So a lot of times that's really where it starts off that overwhelmed piece. And it usually is around their stakeholders, not supporting them or their stakeholders, not being able to step up so that they can sort of move into that leadership role. Interesting. You know where I see this also, and I think this is a correct parallel. I get kids I'm working with, even in this virtual world. And by the way, people, whenever you're listening to this, this is uh, late April, 2021. So we're about a year plus into the COVID experience. Um, A lot of people have been in school or they're virtual, hybrid, whatever. And kids are still busy. It used to be kid wakes up 630 in the morning, they go to school, they go to practice, they go to play rehearsal, they go to dance class, they go to this and this. Then they come home two and a half hours of homework, then they collapse. So it's, it's just maybe a similar kind of overload um, and, and where this sort of prioritization and, and management of time is so, so, so important. Um, is what you're doing, uh, 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 trying to get people to just reprioritize what's important to them? Is it operational? Is it, is it probably all of the above? But uh, where do you start? Because I think, I think the thing with this is you got to kind of put the brakes on sort of say, okay, I'm going to, I'm stopping whatever's going on. Now I got to get some new habits or some new uh, circumstances that are going to be more productive and less stressful for me. Right. Um, I, without giving away the store here, is, is there any really easy, <laughs> is there a three minute way to do that? Probably not, but maybe, maybe there is one folks. So uh, <laughs> let's see, let's see if you give up any big secret. Here. <laughs> not necessarily a three minute way, but I think I can share sort of the process um, within three minutes for sure. Okay, and I really appreciate Go ahead. Yeah, that you brought up even talking about how students, how they're showing up and how that's changed because it's mm-hmm. very much 
what we also see in the business world, in the professional world. Absolutely. We really have told ourselves because maybe some of us aren't going into work, we're not commuting, we don't even have that time in between the work that we're doing, and we don't even have that physical space in between the work that we're doing right now for many people. And for many people, that's new, right? Working online in the virtual space is new. And for them, they feel like they're being productive by adding all these additional things to their day, right? Well, I can take Zoom meetings at any time of the day. I can pack meetings back to back now because I don't have to drive somewhere um, mm -hmm. in order to actually have that meeting, right? And that seems like it's more productive, but it might not be more productive because you're not giving yourself that time and space you need to actually recuperate, to actually rejuvenate yourself and to actually maybe even take in that information that maybe you've learned or take in what's happened during that meeting. So you can really think about what that win-win opportunity might look like with that new business partner or that new potential business partner. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to sort of speak to that before talking a little bit more about the process I take my, my leaders through um, okay. or take the individuals I work through. Um, and it really starts with that self-awareness piece. So the first step I take anyone through that wants to work with me is cultivating their self-awareness. For some, it's actually doing a time inventory so they can really see where their time is going. I think so many of us think that we're being so productive. We're getting so many things done. Like, oh my gosh, my day is like full, but are we doing the right things? Right. And where is our time really going? And this is something I love to have conversations about because I'll get a lot of leaders who will typically say two things to me when they you know, are saying that maybe working with me doesn't make sense or maybe working with any sort of coach in this space doesn't make sense. They either say they don't have money or they don't have time. And the money one or the resources one. OK, fine. That's fair. If you don't want to invest in that, that's cool. That's cool. But when it comes to time, I always love to push back on that because a lot of times we're either not spending time on the right things. Right. Mm -hmm. Or we don't want to create the time because it's not important to us en enough yet. And that's fine once again. And so sometimes doing that time inventory can really help you see where exactly is my time going? Is it really in relation to my goals? And a lot of times I'm talking to leaders about their revenue goals or the type of profit they want to generate. Are the tasks that they're completing and the responsibilities that they've given themselves a direct revenue generating task, right? Is it really going to lead to money? Or is it really going to lead to other people in their business being able to help them make money? And so really starting with developing your self-awareness, cultivating your self-awareness around where your time goes can be incredibly helpful for some people, especially leaders who are very action-oriented, right? Especially leaders who want to do, 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 right? They just have this energy to be able to get things done. So for them, understanding where their time goes is incredibly important. For other leaders who have this issue of time, especially if it involves having to tell other people what to do or working through other people, I like to cultivate their self-awareness around their own leadership style, around their own um, leadership gaps, and around their leadership strengths. So it's really about helping them understand how are they showing up, how might they be perceived, right? And how can they leverage that in order to make better use of their time and the resources they have? So that's, that's really that first step, cultivating your self-awareness around where's your time going and cultivating your awareness around how do you show up, what are your strengths and weaknesses, and how can you make sure you capture what your strengths are and what you're actually doing? Because I love to use this example all the time, but like if you're not someone who's very financial, like financially savvy or not an accountant, maybe you shouldn't be spending your time on accounting type tasks, right? It could take that accountant that you invest in, right? Maybe you invest in an accountant. It takes them 30 minutes to do, but you doing it yourself might take you five hours. If you even so when do you're it correctly. Kind of, if you even do it correctly, exactly, yeah. right? So just sort of checking in to sort of see, right? With that second bit, are the tasks I'm doing really relevant <laughs> to my strengths in addition to also being relevant to helping the bottom line? 
Uh, you bring up so many, I mean, so many excellent points. I, I, I want to just highlight two of them. I know a lot of people and they'll say, I, 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 I kids, I studied 14 hours for a test. Mm. I can't believe I got a 79. Mm-hmm. And then we break it down. What did you actually, I mean, a little exaggerating a little bit, but what did you actually do? Well, I reviewed my notes. Then I had a group session. Well, what'd you do in the group session? Well, you know, we did talk a little bit. We got distracted. People can sometimes fool themselves or, or maybe that's the wrong choice of words. They can convince themselves what they're doing is productive, yes. but it really isn't. I mean, I, know, I have friends, they check their email every five minutes. How many emails are you going to get in five minutes? Now, if you get waiting for like a critically important one as a contract or something, yeah. But checking your email, is could you define it as a work-related task? Yes. But is it productive? Is it revenue generating? Is it something that's driving you toward a larger goal? So that's an excellent point. Um, and I think a lot of people, I, this is an exercise I do. Did I mention I wrote a book? I think I did. Yeah. No, the people who've done my podcast know this or have listened. One of my big tenants in this book is exactly what you say with time inventory. Even if it's three or four hours, you would be amazed. And I, I'm sure you've seen this and you have a hundred case studies, how much time you really don't use productively in an eight hour day. If you're not purposeful, that's the word I use purposeful use of time. The other thing you brought up that, that is really important I think is, is how when you're in a leadership role, and this is really more the entrepreneur side than say the students, but maybe parents is, is how people perceive what you're trying to put out there. So if I'm in a management role or I'm a parent, I say to my kid, look, go do your homework. And they're like, well, I'll do it later. You know, it's really important to clearly set parameters for this. Mm-hmm. Now it's a little stiff for a parent to say to a kid, look, I need you to do your homework between seven 30 and seven 50. Um, but is this, this is all, I use the word, what you're using, a different vocabulary, I use the word structure. Mm-hmm. Creating a consistent, uh, fundamentally productive structure is so important. And ju- just just fixing, quote unquote, the structure and the time prioritization can make huge differences. And pretty quickly. Um, let, me, let me throw another piece in here, which is sort of I like the that. whole energy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because everybody has a finite amount of energy. We, we can only, there's only so much energy you can use in a given day. And if you're not using it efficiently or you're wasting it on unproductive things, it gets in the way as well. Can, can you address that a little bit? How, how do you manage your energy? How do you manage it? Maybe, maybe the COVID thing's more stressful. I, I, I think COVID is an anomaly, but it certainly has affected people tremendously. Um, and I think there's things we're learning that are going to be helpful down the road. And that's really a different discussion. But talk about energy a little bit. Maybe this is in the woohoo, as we okay. referred to it, before. It could be a bit more of the woo. So it depends really on at what level, right? I'm meeting some individuals. So there's different types of assessments you can take um, or engage with to help you get a better understanding of how you might, being, you might be able to show up. But a key part of this also goes back to that awareness piece that I talked a bit about before, which is really the first step I take the leaders that I work with through. The second step is about engagement, and that also includes engaging with yourself. And then that last step is really about setting those expectations. And for me, that expectation piece is really that structure piece. What are your expectations for yourself? What are your expectations for others, right? So externally of you as well. So to talk about that energy piece, one of the ways I like to frame it is asking people, what do you do with your eight hours? right? What is happening within the 10 or 12 (laughs) that you decide to work? And I think it's really important that we each decide for ourselves how many hours that we work. And I also love to say that being productive isn't about working more, but about using the time that you decide to work most effectively and efficiently. That's really, I think the most important thing to keep Mm -hmm. in mind. 
Mm-hmm. And so for me, once again, this might come in within that self-awareness phase where I'll start to ask people, when do you think you work best? And I think this is a little bit easier for entrepreneurs who tend to work for themselves. Um, but I do think you can leverage it even if you work within a more structured environment or even if you are a student as well. Really start to recognize that each of us might show up differently throughout the day. Um, and mm. that's just, I mean, that can come from genetics. I mean, I think there's so many different ways to look at it. I've been reading a lot of books around sleep and how really there are different types of sleepers. So some people who do a much better job of sleeping throughout the night. And so when they wake up, they might be able to be a little bit more productive in the morning. Others who just Mm. need that cycle, it starts a little bit later for them. So for them, they prefer things later on and even into the night to do work. So first step is really just understand when do you feel the most productive? When do you Mm. feel the most creative? And I love working with leaders to actually block that time off in their calendar. Um, And students, I think, can do the same thing as well, like really block off. When is that time that you feel Mm -hmm. like you can get stuff done? You can do that deep thinking, that reflection um, that everyone needs to do at some point in time during the week. And it might even be specific days of the week as well, because I know that by the time I get to Friday, I feel incredibly run down. So I try not to take any meetings, right? So you can really start to use this information, this data, this intelligence to help you set up your day and to set up your week and even potentially set up your month. Um, So you can look at it at the point of view of, okay, I feel best at certain times of the day. Therefore, I would prefer, you know, securing and honoring that time for myself and individual work that I need to do, right? There's other times maybe where I am willing and able to to get more energy. So I don't mind engaging with others. And maybe that's when I want to do team meetings, or maybe that's when I want to have my business development meetings and, you know, connect with other people externally of me, right? So that's when you can start to have that conversation with yourself. So there's a lot of, I think, really interesting research out there. And this is stuff that I start to bring in with my clients, once again, depending on what they're open to, where we can talk about, you know, the 24-hour clock. Um, so that's, you know, typically a little bit more that the masculine hormones and, you know, that 24-hour clock, what that can look like and what that means for you showing up. Um, for women, we might actually talk about the 28-day clock um, that women tend to have and sort of more feminine Um, hormones and what that might look like, because I feel like a lot of women leaders, especially, right, we tend to want to believe that how we felt and how we showed up last week should be exactly how we felt this week. And that's not the case, right? So just naturally how we evolved and how our hormones work, it might really look different day to day. So that can once again, give you a lot of confidence and just help to really empower how you think about showing up and how you think about dealing with certain tasks and certain things. So what I'm hearing you say is it's okay to to do a self-analysis because mm-hmm. I'll have students say to me, yeah, I can't, I'm just so burnt out after school. I need to decompress. I need to do something else. My mom's on my case because she wants to do my homework right away. Blah, blah. But, but it, it, it's okay. It's good. You're, you're saying, Hey, give yourself permission to do a self-analysis. And I might say, you know what? I am most productive between three 30 and five 30 in the afternoon. So maybe I don't even, I'm going to say I don't try, but I, I do other things that don't require that same level of mojo, so to speak other times, and then really try to zone in there. Hey, this is the Make the Grade podcast. Steve Green here, my guest, Akua, all the way from Ghana, a woman with many talents. Very, very interesting. Make the Grade podcast is about giving you actions so you can maximize your education, maximize your business. Appreciate everybody listening today. Uh, Akua, this, this is so interesting to me. We're, we're talking kind of on like that 30,000 foot view, right? What you've brought up so far is kind of macro. Mm-hmm. Um, time inventory, awareness, self-awareness, leadership styles, things like this. I'm sure in your coaching, you drill this down way, way, way deeper into the weeds. Um, it, it, is there 
and I'm looking at, I mean, you got so much cool stuff in your webpage. You got some interesting events. You have an event next week yeah. entitled why you won't in parentheses or can't take a vacation. Hmm. Is it, and you have another one, uh, my top learnings of why we sleep. So you really got a very eclectic offering because one of the things I really like about what you're doing is, is this is very holistic or appears to be a very holistic uh, sort of thing. What, what, what would the typical um, outcome be? Or what would the expectation, let's say somebody said, say, I, I love what I'm hearing today. I really want to work with this person. What, what would the expectation be, whatever the time frame is, a month, two months, six months later, of what, what skills would they be better at? What would they be more comfortable with, in, you know, as an outcome of, of your engagement? Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, the best way to sort of frame it is that three-step process I take all leaders through. So the first step is really they're going to be a lot better at being able to identify their own strengths and weaknesses and communicate that to others. And they're really gonna be able to leverage those strengths and weaknesses so they're able to show up effectively as a leader. Because at the end of the day, and this is the second step, leadership is really about engaging yourself and engaging others. So in order to engage with yourself, you have to know what levers to pull in order to bring out that energy or in order sometimes to pull things back so you're able to show up in a way that effectively motivates and influences others. So that, that second bit, that simplifying engagement bit, I, I do a lot of work with leaders around delegation, which is a key thing that gets in the way of leaders not being able to effectively lead and get things done. So we do work on delegation. We do something that I call building their standard operating procedures. And so that's their SOPs, how they typically show up. So at the end of the time that they work with me, they have a really clear idea of how they show up. And if they need to engage with someone who is the opposite of them, they also know what they need to bring out or what they might need to, to keep in mind to make sure that conversation or that engagement is a win-win. The last step that we go through is really around not just setting, but also thinking about how to achieve their expectations, which I think is a key crucial thing that many leaders feel like they do a good job of, but actually don't do it very effectively. So we will leverage different goal setting methods and techniques, and we make sure that we calibrate it based on their self, you know, what they've actually learned about themselves in terms of self-awareness so that they're building motivating goals for themselves and others. And what I really, really love about this is that everything I do with my leaders and the people I work with is incredibly actionable and implementable. Even just today, um, I got, so every single week I do this thing where we share wins. So my clients share wins with me. And one of my clients was like, yeah, I'm doing goal setting with a member of my team, right? So we did goal setting through coaching, right? So a huge part of coaching is making sure that we set goals. And then she went to do the same exact thing with her own employees, right? Her own direct reports because she recognizes, right? And she's using probably the same worksheets and the same process that we did because she recognizes how helpful it was for her. She's able to go do that with her members, her team members as well. So I provide a lot of worksheets, um, you know, a lot of videos and things like that, that they can use themselves and then they can go implement and use with their teams right away. So I'm looking at your website a little bit, um, and, and we, we can plug that in a second, um, but, but it'll be in all the show notes. So you have a three-step coaching program, and I don't want to get too deep into this, but I think the, I think the way you structure it is very, uh, make, makes a ton of sense. So step one is self-awareness, which we talked mm-hmm. about a little bit. Step two is engagement. Mm-hmm. How do you want to manage your life, basically? And then step three, expectations. And, and uh this is just, it's, it's simple ideas, right? But doing it, not always so simple. What, it, it, uh, this is going to be generalized, but I'm going to maybe put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. 
is there one everybody's going to say ah, everybody you talk, most people say i don't have any problems and you know, i'm okay you know you gotta dig a little deep or sometimes they just have to be willing to be a little vulnerable that way but is there one um challenge I'm, gonna, let's, I'm trying to use a positive word on purpose is there one challenge that you find the majority of people have to get over maybe more than another because i'm sure there's a thousand things that that could get in the way of people really reaching their full potential right and i talk a lot about reaching potential in, in what i do but is there one thing that stands out you know if you work with a hundred people you know the, the gross majority of them would have as a, yeah. as a block or as, a, as an impediment of some type? That's such an interesting question because just this week I've had three conversations about this particular point I'm going to share. Um, so this is just maybe what's coming up for me right now because I've heard it several times. But I would say right one of the biggest challenges I hear time and time again, and this partially might be because so many people are working online when they haven't necessarily in the past, and that maybe wasn't the way in which they were expecting to engage with members of their team. But I would say the expectation that leaders have that members of their team are motivated by the same things that they're motivated by and will work at the same level that they work at. Mm -hmm. I think that this is an incredibly important thing for leaders to recognize that that is not true. <laughs> so they'll sort of rise or fall to, to the level of what they're surrounded by. I mean, at the end of the day, each of us are motivated by very different things and many different factors. Sometimes we will like to speak to the factors that we know are our team lead or our CEO or a board member sort of has this expectation or what we think they expect us to say. But that's mm -hmm. just because as human beings, we like to please people, right? We right, want right. to fit in, we want to please people. We oh, want to make or you're, you're trying to get a raise. I mean, you sometimes right. exactly. you got to do what you got to do, right? Exactly. So that's not to say that people don't necessarily like working for others or don't like working for you, aren't or not excited to work for you or aren't motivated. But I think a key piece, and this is something I teach in that engagement section of my one-on-one my -on -one coaching, is really recognizing that everyone likes to be recognized, to use that word again, but everyone likes to be recognized and acknowledged in a different way. And everyone has their own why. And when I first started, I used to do this um, presentation or workshop I called Why Your Employees Aren't Motivated. And the first thing I loved to share and I love to teach is that people do things for their own reasons and not yours. And I think that the sooner we all learn this as individuals, as humans, as people, um, I think that the easier it will be to be able to create those win-win opportunities where we make sure that we get something out of it and we make sure the people who are supporting us, whether those are stakeholders, board members, employees, they also get something they want out of it. Um, and I think that for so many of us, we like to think that we do things for like altruistic reasons. Um, that's fair, you know, but I, I do think that typically there's other things that come with it. Um, and I think whether you have volunteers working for you, interns, you know, or someone who's a fully paid compensated employee, keeping that in mind, I think is incredibly key in allowing your employees or your volunteers or your interns to really recognize and be able to verbalize and share what they wanna get out of that opportunity working with you or even connecting with you, I think can take you very, very far. Well, I, I think everybody knows when you're in a leadership position, whether it's the founder of a business or a boss or a manager or, you know, or even a, a president of a club in school, there are a lot of hats you have to wear. Yes. You know, you, you have to be a, a pretty good speaker. If you're doing presentations, you have to be organized. You have to be able to delegate. You have to be able to balance priorities of all the people in your organization or your club or your group. And these are not things, sometimes people get into these roles 
it's like, hey, I want to be the president of the student council. Well, it sounds great. You know, you get, it looks good on your college resume, college application. Well, they don't realize, well, yeah, I got 20 people with 20 different opinions. Yes. <laughs> I try to keep them all happy. Um, so there's a lot of, there's, you know, some of the things we're talking about here are practical skills. Some are kind of people skills. Some are just fundamental success concepts. Um, we're we're going to wrap up in a little bit, but is, um, let, let me, let me, let me just go a different direction for a second. And there's okay. so much here. I, I'd love to have you back again, do this again another time. Yes, please. Um, somebody wants to get a hold of you. Okay. How do they do that? Website? What's, what's the easiest way? And by the way, your website's very well done. I don't know if you did it yourself, oh, but if you did, you. Very nice work. I did. Thank yeah. you so much. Um, so yeah, you can check out my website. So that's just my first name and then my last name initials. So A-K-U-A-N-M.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spend actually most of my time on LinkedIn, on social media. I've been trying to get on Instagram a bit, but mostly on LinkedIn. So you can just, you know, if you just search for my first name, AKUA, and then NM, you can find me on LinkedIn, or you can even find me on Instagram. It wasn't that hard. <laughs> <laughs> I could figure it out. I'm, you know, I'm old. I'm not a social media guy. Um, yeah. Uh, let's just, let's get into some personal stuff. Is you got any hobbies, you know, any, any, you like to cook? I mean, you, do, what do you like to run? I don't know. You like giraffes. I mean, what, what do you like to do? <laughs> I like sports a lot, um, okay. actually. So I, you know, I grew up playing, um, so soccer, volleyball, basketball, ran track and field, um, then got into ultimate Frisbee. Oh. When I was in Nigeria, I got to play a lot of flag football, which was a ton of fun. Really? Like, like American um, football? Like, yeah, American flag football. Yeah. Oh. Which was a ton of fun. We had a great league and I think it's starting up again, which is super cool, but I'm not oh. there. So cool for those who are there um in ghana when i feel comfortable i might go back and play some more ultimate frisbee so i love sports um i don't run very much these days myself um but i always do i love doing stretches right now i'm really obsessed with this one fitness app called swork um i think it's so much fun yeah it just allows you to like pick all these different types of um exercises and sort of put it together and so unsolicited testimony we we have no financial uh (laughs) it's a lot of fun um, and it tells me what if to you don't do. make exercise fun, you're not going to stick so, with it that, that much. I know. Yeah. Right. So it's a lot of fun and I love doing it and you can keep track of it. It kind of, you want to, you want to hear a little trivia, you know, where yes. the first ultimate Frisbee Frisbee game ever was played. Philadelphia. Mm, Northeast about 70 miles. Okay. Maybe I did 60 not know miles. that. I thought it was, no, a West it was Coast at, sport. it was at my, one of my alma maters, Rutgers university. In New Brunswick, New Jersey. There, I, I, uh, yeah, because I played, I, I played a lot of ultimate in my day. Okay. It's called ultimate. You're supposed to call it ultimate disc now. You're not supposed to use the word frisbee, by the way. Ooh. But yeah, again, we we we're not here to do copyright violations or trademark <laughs> infringements at all. Yeah, I played for many years. I played in, in a, on a team, a school team. I played in, in adult leagues later. Yeah, I played it, a pen. They have a team called Venus. It was awesome. Yes. It's much much bigger now than when I was. I was involved. You know in the prehistoric days, prehistoric days, when we just, you picked whatever frisbee somebody had to play with. Now they got the official like game disc and all, and it's sponsored it and they have like, the, it, it is, yeah. it's, and, but it's a great game and it's, it's really fun. It's social. It gets you in shape. But the first um, game ever was same as collegiate football, Rutgers university, two things. They were the first thing at ever. Very cool. And uh, yeah. Really cool. So, uh, but it, it's become a, a, obviously an international sport and, uh, it's great. I, I always enjoyed it. I, I'm way, way too old and fat and slow now <laughs> to no, uh, keep playing. True. But uh, I actually coached. Like when I was teaching, I, I started oh, so a team cool. yeah, in one of the schools I was at, and uh, yeah, I handed it off to somebody else at one point. But 
Yeah. Interesting. Look at this. See, so, you know, it's not so much different. Yeah. I, I think, you know, then this hopefully is going to come out right. And I think being American, you know, we sort of have preconceptions about every other country, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't think as of Africa necessarily as being as westernized, if, if that's the right word, as, as it really is. You know, it's not that much different living there than here. Um, you know, people's priorities are the same. You know, you can get the same things. Um, you know, so it, it, it's, it's kind of neat. It's not like everybody's living in a hut, you know, or something like, I think a lot of people have sort of an odd perception cause they, they don't know any better, but, um, anything else you want to share just, just randomly. So this is good. No, I mean, I think, you know, thank you so much for this opportunity. I know we've had two conversations prior yeah, to this. Yes, it's have. always fun to connect. So thank you so See, much. Yeah. The host of the show does their homework before they bring a guest on. I would I, never, I can... ever, 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 ever just completely wing an interview like this. <laughs> um, no, but listen, the point of this is very simple. I would like to get talented people like you in front of my audiences, parents with kids, entrepreneurs, people that you know, can really use this information. And my hope, everybody listening out there, is if, if something that uh, Akua said today resonates with you, reach out with her, communicate with her. Uh, maybe you can participate in some of our communities that we have um, that I run and, and feel free to, uh, but reach out, you know, get involved, use this information. And the whole key is to take action. That is the whole point of this podcast. 99.7% of what I do is all about trying to provide people with these sorts of things. There's a bunch of interviews coming out in the next uh, six to eight weeks on the podcast, a pretty eclectic, diverse group of people. I, like many people, have been doing a lot of networking in the last three months. I've met a lot of interesting people. Uh, this is just the first of several, but um, there's so much to talk about. I mean, I, I printed out about 20 pages of stuff on two sides. I have two-sided printer now. Oh um, and it, yeah, it goes really <laughs> deep. And I got to tell you, um, your coaching program is pretty, it's relatively affordable. Some coaches are really expensive. I think yours is very fairly priced. So don't let that scare anybody away. At the very least, I think, do you offer any sort of like consultation, like, like a, a free, I don't know, free is the right word, but, you know, sort of a trial, maybe somebody could just get to know you a little bit. So anyone who's interested in my services, we do have what I call a chemistry call after they apply. Chemistry so if I think call, you're a good like fit, that. we have a chemistry call. Yeah. Because I do we think a so lot of people I was a chemistry teacher. Rapport. Oh, really? Yeah, see, I was okay. a chemistry instructor. Yeah. You were a chemistry call. See, <laughs> so much in common here. We're like, uh, yeah. we're like siblings from the same parents, but a different parent. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Listen, we are going to wrap this up. I hope to get you back. Let's let's try to get it on the calendar. We'll do Please. this again. We can. I, what I'd like to do next time is get a little bit deeper, if if you're okay with it, and maybe how people could answer some of these questions, right? Definitely. Yeah. L- like you know, like I, I think a lot. So many things you're brought up are, are we we could probably talk hours about each one, right? You know, j- just prioritization, use of time, deep, deep, deep subject. And, and maybe we could get into almost like a little bit of a workshop where, where mm-hmm. people can maybe follow along with what you're doing and do a little, like a kind of a mini, a mini exercise. And then, you know, maybe then, then they could take it to the next level and get involved with some actual coaching and stuff. I know a lot of people this could help. I'm not going to mention any names, but <laughs> I do. All right. Akua, Nayami Mensa. Thank you yes. very much. She had to, she's staying up late for this in Africa. It's like four in the morning over there or something. No, it's in the afternoon. <laughs> no, I think it's three in the afternoon, but, uh, <laughs> but even so I appreciate it. Hopefully this was in that positive bandwidth of your. Oh, definitely. Time. Okay. There we go. Positive. I feel energized. I'm excited. I have a coaching call in a few hours and this was, I think a really great way to have my first external meeting of the day. So thank beautiful. You. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. Um, listen, uh, we'll get you back. Please, please, please keep in touch. 
I'm going to put in the show notes, everybody, and you probably already knew this because you saw it. If you're listening to this, how you can get a hold of her and move to the next level. So what does the audience think? Oh, yes, people. Yes, we got 150 people who are watching this live. Did I mention that before? Yeah, thank you very much it. for coming on. Let's play the Make Your Rage theme music as we take this out. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. been listening to Make the Grade with the success doctor, Stephen Green. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe. For more resources and support, please visit makethegrade.net.